Today, we're going to kind of continue on a theme that we started last Sunday and we talked about. We kind of had what we called um, kind of a church family meeting last week. And we talked about church leadership and we ordained uh, two new elders and we uh, introduced a new role for Pastor Bob and uh, just talked about some insider stuff. And I told you we continue kind of the insider conversation today. So if this is your first time at Faith Community, you're getting a little peek into some of our values and the things that uh, make us tick and the things that motivate us to do uh, what we're doing. So uh, don't feel like this isn't for you. It's a peek into kind of our DNA as a church. Today, we're going to talk about serving in the, in the church and specifically in this church. And no, first of all, I don't feel guilty asking people to volunteer in the church. Because I know that people who let God lead them to where he wants them to serve find incredible sense of satisfaction and joy. I know that to be true. Here's the thing about the church. The church was designed to be primarily a volunteer organization. The power of the church is the power of the Holy Spirit empowering everyone. As men and women, young and old, offer their gifts in pursuit of our God-given vision. Jesus made an intentional decision when he invited Peter and James and John and all the other disciples to help him spread the good news of the kingdom. And he chose to accomplish uh, his work primarily on the shoulders of ordinary people who live in the real world of family and business and community. He believed that the same skills that were used to make clay pots and herd livestock and catch fish and bake bread and make tents could be used to advance the kingdom of God. And uh, so just let me, I'm just grateful beyond words that I've been able to serve the church in a paid role for all these years. And for 18 of those years, I was bivocational, as was dad, just kind of take some of the financial burden off the church. But the kingdom of God, listen, cannot advance through the efforts of paid staff alone, all right? We believe that the church has been commissioned, when I say we, I mean we, right? Believe the church has been commissioned to bring the gospel of hope to the world. That's our mission. But that hope rests on the willingness of volunteers from all areas of life, nurses and carpenters and office managers and store clerks and department managers and social workers and teachers and administrators and business owners and stay-at-home moms and retirees and high school students, like there's a, like to be mobilized, right, empowered and used by God. Over the years, because I'm going to use the term volunteer probably quite a bit today, so I just want to clarify real quick. Over the years, I've heard a lot of great Servant-hearted people describe themselves as just a volunteer. I'm just a volunteer. Before I say another word, then I want to make something really clear. The term, just a volunteer, should have no place in our vocabulary. All right? This church, as we know it, would not exist without dozens of volunteers. And whether God has blessed you with 40 hours a week of discretionary time or whether you can barely scratch together a couple hours a month from your overloaded schedule, you have the potential to make a difference right here in our corner of the world. So, what do you have to offer? More than you probably think. You have gifts and talents that you were born with. The passions that inspire you your education, your experience, the skills you've fine-tuned, the pain that has deepened you, 
These are all powerful tools for good that God has lavished on you. Why? So that we can lavish that goodness on others. And it, it's easy to understand why, um, and why our fear that investing time and investing energy into serving God and others might diminish our lives. I understand the fear behind that. Like, what will really happen, we wonder, if we leave the comfort of the bleachers, right, and get dirty on the playing field? Like, what will happen? Won't we be busier than ever and have to work harder? And won't this cost me something? And won't it be inconvenient? I mean, does this even make any sense? So here's my answer to that. My answer to that is a question. Do you really want to live, then drape a serving towel over your arm. Just three weeks ago, uh, we looked at a passage in John 13, where Jesus and the disciples were having dinner, and the foot washer didn't show up. And you're like, the what? Yeah, exactly. In that time and place where people walked in sandals down dirty, dusty roads and all kinds of stuff, and they reclined at low tables with their, nobody thought this through, with their feet not far from the faces of other guests, right? Custom required that a servant at the door would wash those dirty feet. But not so in this particular evening in John 13. Something went wrong. The foot washer didn't show up. I kind of wonder if Jesus just gave him the night off so he could make a point. I'm not sure, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time revisiting that this morning because we were just there three weeks ago. I think one of the coolest things about Scripture is that three weeks ago, we were drawing a very different application from this story, right? So we can come right back, same story, learn something else from the same passage. Imagine you're standing, if you're familiar with the story, imagine you're standing behind a pane of glass watching this scene play out. The first disciple enters the room and discovers there's no foot washer. So suddenly for him, it's decision time. Does he wash his own feet? Does he take off his garment and become like a rank-and-file servant and wash everyone else's feet as they come in? But you look into his eyes, and he's thinking, not me. It's not my job. I'm not a servant. I'm no foot washer. And he tries to kind of size up where Jesus will sit and chooses an advantageous spot at the table. Second disciple enters and realizes there's no foot washer and sees that his friend is already at the table. And he's like, well, if he's not going to stoop to the level of foot washer, neither am I. And he steps toward the second best seat at the table. And all the disciples do the same thing. And they file in and they walk right past the water basin in their filthy feet. And they choose the best remaining seat at the table. And they recline and stick their dirty, stinky feet in each other's faces. And finally, Jesus arrives. Just stop for a second. Just picture this. Watch him. He looks at the water. He looks at the filthy feet of the disciples. And you can see it in his eyes. Three years. Sermon after sermon, teaching after teaching, illustration after illustration, parable after parable, confrontation after confrontation. Can you see it? It looks a lot like failure. And he walks to the table and he reclines and he just sits there in silence. I think he was okay with the awkward, right? Like, I think he's thinking maybe someone will at least have the humility to wash the feet of their rabbi, this man they've chosen to follow. But nobody moves. So watch him. After that pause, it's just awkward enough. He gets up, walks to the water basin, starts to take off his outer garment. 
carefully picks up the towel and slips it through his belt exactly the way a common servant would. And he pours water into the basin. And he circles the table. Peter resists for a moment, but Jesus knows how to handle Peter. And he's finished washing the feet of all the disciples. And he folds the towel and he puts it back. And he slips on his robe and he walks back to the table. And he sits down and he says this in John 13, verse 13. He says, do you understand what I was doing? I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Here's the deal. Following Jesus into radical servanthood is the sure pathway to fullness of life. Remember, Jesus called it rich and satisfying life. And sooner or later, everybody has to kind of decide, has to wrestle with this, where to place their bet on life's gamble, on a self-centered lifestyle or on Jesus' model of servanthood. So I just want to encourage you this morning, grab a serving towel because it's worth the gamble. Here's the thing. We can't possibly build a God-honoring church if we were to become a congregation of consumers. That's not how the church works. But imagine what could happen in our church and in every church in our community if every potential minister, every follower of Jesus actually lived according to Jesus' example. What an incredible power for good would be unleashed in our community and beyond. So what happens when you realize that you are a minister, right? Because we've talked about this. Well, I think the question becomes then, well, what, what should I do? If I am a minister, as you say, and as the New Testament says, what should I do? How should I carry out the ministry uh, that God has called me to in whatever context? Like, is there a focus area? How do I know? Is there any direction that I should head in? Thank you for asking. 1 Corinthians 12, probably the most foundational text about this whole topic In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Paul says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Every follower of Jesus has been given a spiritual gift. It says to each of us. The each includes the person sitting in your chair. Each means you. You've been given at least one gift, one ability that when it's given over to God is infused with a supernatural power for the purposes of advancing the kingdom of God and for God's glory. And it's so important you believe that and that you accept that and that you take the responsibility then to figure out which gift or which gifts you've been given. There aren't any exceptions on this. Rest of verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 12 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The New International Version says, for the common good. For the common good. Look up here for a second. My gifts entrusted to me are for your benefit. My gifts that sovereign God gave me are not for my benefit. Not for me to go on a braggadocious power trip about it. My gifts are entrusted to me to bless you. This is really hard for a lot of us to understand because most of us are just so individualistically wired, right? We think this is all about us. We think everything's pretty much all about us. My gifts are about you and your gifts, our gifts, are about one another. So let's get this. Everyone in the church is supposed to know what their contribution to the common good is supposed to be. You're like, oh, that's great. That's so easy. How do you know that? (laughs) We know... 
by how God has gifted us. That's what you bring to the party. It's our dream for this church, listen, to be a church where every single person knows that they're a minister. That's one of our core values, that every member is a minister, that every single person has a towel-bearing servant-mindedness about them, that every single person knows their God-given gifts and uses them for the common good and counts on everybody else doing that as well. And it can happen. It just means all of us have to take responsibility for those spiritual gifts, for the abilities, the time, the money, the opportunities that we've been given. And if you've just decided, well, that's nice. I'm glad there's some people like that. I'm just not really a towel-bearing kind. I'm not really a behind-the-scenes servant type. I, I, don't re- I really don't have time on my schedule right now. I'm super busy. Like, do you know how important I am? I don't think you understand. Listen, if that's your mindset, I really do believe you're going to be filled with such regret when you stand before the one who was the ultimate towel-bearing priest-servant-redeemer for you. Oh, then there's this. A couple chapters later, three chapters later in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Like, it's never in vain. There's nothing you do in the name of Jesus that is ever in vain. Doesn't mean you get to see immediate results. Doesn't mean that the results are something you can put on a chart and see that you're going up and to the right. That's not what he's talking about. I, guess I think about this. Like, although the visibility of my life and my role in the church offers me a certain level of reward, just that like naturally does, there are plenty of days I come up from my basement office at home thinking I disappointed more people than I encouraged. There are days I leave this property after Sunday service and I feel like my leadership or my teaching were ineffective. I have to remind myself that at least I showed up, I gave the best I had to offer, and God saw that. And I know that if I have to go through that with the kind of, that kind of mental discipline to keep myself motivated and faithful, then what about the person who stands out in the sub-zero weather directing cars into the parking lot? What about the person who gets very little interaction with adults some Sundays because they're serving in a room crawling with children? What about the person who pushes a vacuum throughout this space on Saturday morning? Like, we all need to be reminded that God sees and values what we do. What we're doing matters. God sees it, and for what it's worth, I see it too. Your gifts matter, and your faithfulness matters. Now, if we were to all make a commitment to being towel-bearing servant ministers, aware of the power of the Holy Spirit, listening to those promptings throughout our day, looking for people, just looking for people to touch and bless and love into an experience with God. I mean, I don't think, I don't think God brought us to this place, to this moment in time for nothing. I don't think He's brought us through nearly 25 years as a church just to sit back and remember the good old days. I don't think He brought us through all the challenges of the last two years It was two years ago today that we canceled our first Sunday service for what we were calling coronavirus. I don't think he brought us through all the challenges of the last two years, you know, suspending services for 11 Sundays, returning to multiple services with limited capacity. So many volunteers during that time doing double and triple duty on Sundays, reserving our spots, remember doing that? And wearing masks and changing the way we did kids' ministry, and changing the way we did small groups, and teaching to a camera at the back of the room, and 
wearing masks and trying to figure out how to use the chat on church online and trying out, trying to figure out how to turn off the chat on church online, right? Yeah, okay, now who know who you are. And trying to stay connected to people that we hadn't seen in weeks or months and wondering how the finances are going to hold up. How are we going to come out on the other side of this? And, and, and wearing masks. And I don't think God brought us through all that with our leadership team united around the mission of the church and actually adding people to our church, nearly 30 just since June, in perhaps the healthiest financial position we've ever been in. All the while, churches all around us are still trying to figure out how and if they're going to make it. I can't explain that. But I'm convinced that God brought us through all that, all the while teaching us to lean into his grace and to lean into deference and what it looks like to love our community. And I'm convinced he brought us through all of that to position us for greater and greater influence, to be creative in the expression of our gifts, to create experiences that are memorable and meaningful, to create experiences that are full of love and acceptance and that are life-giving. I believe God brought us through the last two years as he did for his purposes for the greater common good. I think for me, when we look back on this experience in a few years' time, I think the thing that will stand out to me most is the unity we've experienced in our church. Have you noticed these have been divisive times? Is it all a hoax or is it to be feared? Is it a conspiracy or is it a tragedy? Like, do masks make a difference or mask the evil politicians taking away our God-given rights and somehow making us all unwitting communists. We laugh. I thought someone would laugh because, and it's laughable, but that's, I've heard this stuff. So have you. And the vaccine. Oh, let's not even talk. About, let's talk about it. God send or mark of the beast. I've heard both. I've had people ask me, do you think it's a mark of the beast? Anyway, I, that's not, I got to keep going. Oh, in the middle. Oh, in the middle of it all. In the middle of it all. We had an election. That was a good time. That really brought people together. <laughs> brought families together, churches together, brought our nation together. Such a sweet experience. Here's the thing. <laughs> Maybe we can laugh about it. We should, be the, we should set the example. I just think we should. When it comes to all these divisive issues, we should set the example. Let's lean into deference. I think we've forgotten how to do that. Here's the thing. In our church, you just need to know this. In our church, we have people on the far reaches of just about every position, whether we're talking about pandemic response or the election in politics, whether we're talking about deep dish thin crust, whether we're talking about Boston, I can't say it, hockey team, or Montreal Canadiens, like it doesn't, like I love, I have it in my notes, I just my mouth won't say the word. I, I love that about our church though, I love that about us. I think we represent the kingdom of God in all of its diversity. I love that we don't all share a brain. We don't ever want you to check your brain at the door. But don't you know there's been all kinds of potential for disunity and division even in this church in the last two years? And yet, we've emerged with our unity intact and I believe that's the work of the Holy Spirit in you because you got your strongly held opinions and you surrendered, many of you just surrendered those opinions to the work of the Holy Spirit for the sake of the kingdom of God. I love these verses. This is God's vision for the New Testament church. Acts 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Like, unity in the church is priceless. Priceless. 
We need to continue to guard it with everything within us. Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. We've got a ways to go on that one, but I think we're learning. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day, each day. So we're going to start a new thing. Met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And because the church was living this way, because all this described the church, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. When the church functioned right, God entrusted people to the church. So, why am I optimistic about the future? Because I am. And if you aren't, I really would like, that, would you be open to at least shifting a little bit? Because here's why I'm optimistic about the future. Because I think in an increasing way, like we're still learning, we're 25 years into this thing, but we're still learning to function in a biblically authentic way. And I believe God is going to add to our number those who are being saved. And I, for one, like, I'm in. Like, I'm in. You know, I think you, I'm in. Like, whatever gifts I bring, whatever that is, this is my act of worship, such as it is, uh, God's going to get the best that I can bring. So the question is, are you in? Like, are you in? Will you worship him with your gifts, with the sacrifice of your time, with your energy, with your creativity? Will you worship him with your life? Are you in? You may be wondering, okay, that's great. So what do I do with what we've heard so far? I feel like I need to act on something. Like, what can I do? Glad you asked. Our new ministry quarter starts in just a couple weeks, on the first Sunday of April. So I want to get really practical here and talk about opportunities to serve on a ministry team on a schedule in this church, okay? So we've got some people around the room. They're going to hand out some what we call help-wanted forms. They look like this. You see them about every quarter. They show up. But we're going to put one in every hand right now. So go ahead, guys, and do that if you would, please, while I talk. These show um, all the opportunities to serve uh, on teams at Faith Community. You're going to get it's got two sides. There's a lot of, a lot of slots there. Um, we call them ministry teams because that's what we are, right? We're, we're ministers. That's what the New Testament calls us. We're on this mission that God has given us to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus for the good of our community and the sake of the world. Listen, every Sunday, and we love Sundays, right? Amen? So I don't do that. I don't, I don't remember the last time I said that with a question mark. Amen? But uh, thank you for responding. Um, we love Sundays. It takes 32 volunteers to do what we do on Sunday. Most of these volunteers serve on a rotating schedule, usually serving on their team once a month. Several, listen of our towel-draped servant volunteers serve on more than one team. In fact, most of them do. On, on our ministry teams right now, there are currently 120 volunteer slots being filled by 70 people. So do the math. A lot of people are serving on two teams. Some people are serving on three teams. So we're going to fix that balance, that imbalance. That's the mission here before we leave today. We're going to take a few minutes to introduce you to these teams and to the people who lead those teams, so let's get really, really practical, okay? Number one, I want to talk about the cleaning team. The cleaning team's mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus by creating a clean, safe, welcoming environment for Sunday morning. One of our core values says excellence honors God and inspires people. We've been talking about, a lot about that this, so far this year. We believe this applies to every aspect of our ministry, including this 
facility. Like we said when we bought this building, it looked nothing like this at the time. We said we will do this if we don't, this doesn't become an object of our worship. This is a tool for ministry. This is a ministry tool to allow us to chase this vision that God has given us. Cleaning team is comprised of three to four people on each team each week who clean the facility in preparation for Sunday ministry. So right now, listen to this. We only have three teams. And it's been rough this winter having three teams because the building takes a hit. And this, here's the thing. Sunday morning is just the beginning because I think I counted nine different groups of people that meet here between Sundays. Um, so there's a lot of traffic. And that's the way we want it. We want it to be a tool for ministry in our community. Um, we would love to have six to eight teams. There, were t- there was a time we had six teams. I'd love to get back there, and I'm looking at you. I was actually looking at the curtain, but I'm looking at you right here because here's the deal. The more people serving on this team means the less often you're here cleaning on Saturday, okay? Um, and it's only like, really, if we take our time and get distracted by lots of conversation, it's an hour and a half. But if you're really focused, you're out of here in less than an hour. Some of the people on this team, when I look at their, our team, have been serving on this team since we moved into this building 17 years ago. And before that, they were on the Saturday night setup team at the YMCA for like six years. Like, and oh, here's something. You're like, I don't know. Right now, our youngest team member is seven. Seven years old. There's stuff seven-year-olds can do with some supervision and some training. Here, so here, listen. If you've got kids at home, I don't care how old they're, if they're at home, I don't care if they're 26, if they're at home and they've never helped clean, they've never helped clean the church building, you are missing a golden opportunity to teach them the value of serving behind the scenes and taking pride in doing their part to create a clean, welcoming environment for us to gather on Sunday mornings for God to do what he wants to do in our church. So that's the cleaning team. A team, cleaning team leader for now is my mom, Barb, she's right there, you can kind of, she's right there. I'd like to see mom relieved of that responsibility so she can focus on other, the other team she leads. So I think, I think it's time uh, for us to relieve her of that. So she's just hearing this for the first time, but um, it's, it, she probably wouldn't fight me on it. So uh, if, if you've been on the team, you're like, I'll, I'll take, I mean, what does it really entail? Well, we can talk about that. I'd like you to commit first. Um, so that's the cleaning team. Uh, <laughs> let me talk about the first impressions parking team. The parking team's mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus by creating a positive first impression, believing that excellence honors God and inspires people, and they serve to create a safe environment in our parking lot, which is, I'm just going to say nondescript. It's kind of vague, and you're like, what's the big deal? Just come middle of July and try to leave this property with no parking attendance in the parking lot. You're here, you might want to just order lunch because you're here till two o'clock. Uh, so they do it for ease of exit and they do it for safety in our parking lot. Um, right now, our parking team members are serving about once a month. Uh, again, we'd love to spread that out some. That'd be great to give them a break. The parking team leader is Chris Staples. And Chris, I, don't, I haven't seen him today, but he was on the screen there this morning doing announcements. Um, Next team is the host team, and the host team's mission is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus by creating a welcoming environment for guests and members to build meaningful relationships. The host team, listen, are some of the, and you need to hear this, you're some of the most important people to guests because you make contact in those first, those crucial first few minutes. And our, our first objective with guests is to make sure they're comfortable and at ease. And of course, Coffee. So there's that. So super important. Right, right now, 
And you know, I had a cup of coffee today. It's pretty good coffee. Excellence honors God, inspires people. Right now, uh, host team members are serving every six or seven weeks. We've got a really, really full host team. That's great. Doesn't mean there's no room for you. Uh, but the more people we have, the less often you serve or whatever, we'll, we'll put a third person on there to stand there and smile at people or whatever. But um, host leader, host team leader, again, is, is my mom, Barb, and um, she thrives in that environment, and we'd love for you to join that team. Um, next, I want to talk about Treasure Bay. This is our environment for babies from birth through to during the Sunday morning service. And if you've never seen Treasure Bay, uh, back, go back to the hallway there and down behind that wall, and it's right over there. If you've never seen it, don't leave the property today until you stop in and see Treasure Bay. I don't think you really get a, you haven't really grasped the essence of who we are as a church if you haven't visited our kids' environments. So, I mean, you can go do it right now if you want to. I don't know if there's any babies in there today because I know a couple of them aren't here. So, anyway, that's, um, that's over there. The mission in Treasure Bay, oh, and by the way, do that visit after church, not before church, because before church, you're kind of getting set up in there. The mission in Treasure Bay is to lay the foundation for infants and toddlers to have a growing relationship with Jesus. We do that by nurturing their spiritual growth at a developmentally appropriate level. And uh, it's so much more than babysitting. We don't use that term. We don't use the term childcare when it comes to Treasure Bay. Right now, our team members are serving at least once a month, quite often more than that. Um, Treasure Bay is a fairly active place right now, and uh, we could really use some help in there. Uh, the, our Treasure Bay team leader is Kim. Kim's right over there. Hi. And uh, she's in the shadow. You can see her silhouette. And um, yeah, we'd love to talk with you about being a part of Treasure Bay. Next up is Jammers and Surge. We're going to lump these two together. Jammers is our environment for preschoolers, ages three to five, and Surge is for our six to nine-year-olds. So uh, they're both back there through that door by the lighthouse, and straight ahead is Jammers, and to the right is Surge. Uh, both of these programs take place during our teaching time here on Sundays. As you know, you've seen it. You dismiss the kids after the opening song, and then they come back in to join us and their families um, after the message. And honestly, our interaction with kids starts before that. It starts at the kids' check-in station uh, right there in the middle of the opening there by the, where the curtain is uh, on Sunday mornings. And if you've come, and if your practice is to come and you've never seen that curtain open on Sunday morning, I just want to challenge you like, to just start the whole Sunday morning process 10 minutes earlier. Just start the whole thing 10 minutes earlier. Get here because there's a check-in station that rolls out there for all the kids. We love that interaction with our families and with our kids. And they get some stickers and they, we call them by name because they, they belong here. Like and we, love, we don't do that over there. We do it here where you can be a part of all the chaos because we love that. It's like a family gathering over the holidays when you've got kids on it. We love that, and uh, we want you to be accustomed to that too. So anyway, there's that. Jammers uses the Bible app for kids, which is the same people that brought us the Bible app. There's video content, prop talks, small group time, some play time. Surge uses What's in the Bible, which is by Phil Vischer. You've probably heard of him. He created VeggieTales. Uh, together, we refer to those environments as FCF Kids. And at FCF Kids, our mission is to deliver the transformational truth of God's Word in a creative and fun environment, in a place where children feel welcomed, valued, cared for, while they learn who Jesus is, how to follow Him, how basic Bible truths can help them make right decisions now and throughout their lives. Team members uh, serve once a month, a couple of them more than that because we're a little shorthanded right now. We've just recently relaunched Jammers after we combined the two groups during the pandemic. 
But if you have an interest in serving in either of those environments, I think all of our team members would tell you it's a very volunteer-friendly experience. The curriculum almost teaches itself. The tools we put in your hands are designed to make you as effective as possible. If you like to be with kids, but the idea, maybe you're a little intimidated by the idea of the teaching part of it, we'd love for you to just come observe some morning. Um, I think you'll find that it's really, really approachable and doable. Um, our team leaders are Alethea Crossweight in, uh, in Jammers and Sue Layton in Surge. And I don't know if either of them are in the room because they're probably over there. Oh, hi, I hear a voice. Oh, hi there. Hi, Sue's over there. Um, FCF Youth. FCF Youth is our youth ministry. Um, most of the time, they're divided into two groups, JV, which is ages 10 to 12, and Varsity for ages 13 to 18. They meet in the queue. Again, check that room out anytime you want on a Sunday. Uh, you should see, just check out these environments. Uh, they meet there during the teaching time, most of the time on an alternating schedule. Um, then whenever we can make it work, we like to get the two groups together because we think there's value in that uh, for a social activity once a month or so on Sunday nights, and we're just kind of starting that, uh, that routine back up. Right now, we're actually fully staffed. We have a great team in place. Josh and Megan Young lead the JVers. They're there right now. And Jeff and Aaron Francis, along with J.F. Burns, lead the varsity group. So here's, we don't actually need any more volunteers on this team right now. And depending on your church background, you might be like, oh, me, me, I want to serve because I love pizza. And I love laser tag. And I like going on mountain hikes. Um, just back up. <laughs> a few years ago, we decided to move away from an entertainment and activity-based approach to youth ministry because we realize we have so little time, so little actual time with our teens once they're in middle school and high school. So we shifted into really focusing on content and discussions that address what they're experiencing right now and that will strengthen their foundation in the future. So for instance, I was asking Aaron about this. Recent topics in the queue have been about how all the stories in the Bible are part of one big story that we get to be a part of. Uh, they've been talking about free will and why. And why, I'd like to get on that. And why God gave Adam and Eve and us the freedom to choose to follow him or not. And recently, the topic of the Trinity has come up a couple of times. So they've been getting into that. We don't even talk about that in this setting. So they aren't, they aren't shying away from the more challenging topics. So for now, we're all set with our leadership team in FCF Youth. But you can play a part, church, by simply praying for this ministry and our teenagers on a regular basis. That would mean the world. Next up, I want to talk about our worship team and band. I think it's pretty obvious what this team does. They're the only ones who get to function under a spotlight so, and have their voices amplified. So it's pretty obvious uh, what we do. But as much as uh, it might look like we've got all the slots covered, we're always willing to add more people to the team. We're getting ready to do that in the next few weeks. If you play an instrument, but listen, not just any instrument, because if like you play bassoon, <laughs> that's good for you. I'm happy for you. Uh, and I'm not making fun of bassoon players because my wife played oboe, so I'm just saying that's great, but it's probably not going to help us in the kind of music we play. So if you play any of the instruments that you see on this stage, there could be a place for you. No one on this stage is going to be offended when we have so many musicians that we have to take turns. No one's going to be offended by that. So the singers have done this for years, taking turns. So here's how this works. This is an area that Ben leads. Ben uh, usually is in that spot right there with, uh, at the keyboard and guitar. Um, if you have an interest uh, in, in checking out the 
instrument part of it, talk with Ben, um, and he'll have a conversation with you about that process. He's not here today, but you can catch him in, uh, in a couple weeks' time. But the same is for, true for singers. Talk with Ben about that. There, there is an audition process uh, for both musicians and singers, and obviously we want to we see some level of mus- you know, musical proficiency, uh, but it's not only about that. Like, it's almost secondary, because we, we do believe that excellence honors God. So musical ability has to be there. And we want to know that our members of our worship ministry have a heart for worship, that we are worshipers first. Uh, then prayer team. We introduced our prayer team a few months ago, and we're still figuring that out, like uh, what's most effective, what fits best with Sunday morning experience, how to take it beyond Sunday mornings. But right now, we're just focusing on providing prayer support in the prayer space uh, here in this room before, during, and after church. So our vision for this team is bigger than that, but we're just taking it a step at a time. So for now, if you have an interest in coming alongside one another in prayer, and you're willing to be on a rotation to cover the prayer space, which is in the back of the room. Uh, should anyone want to pray on Sunday morning? Uh, Amanda Elliott is right over there. Uh, she's leading this team, and she would love to talk with you about opportunities to be a part of that team. And then our media team. Our media team is responsible for all the behind-the-scenes stuff that makes our experience in this room possible uh, from the stage standpoint. Sound, multimedia, lights, recording. And then since we added church online a couple of years ago, we've added cameras to their responsibilities. So can I just say this? That we have the best tech team that I can think of. Like I have been in other church settings and um, our team is so dependable. They are detail-oriented. They check their ego at the door. They just get it. We, and we ask a lot of them. So here's the deal. If you were to go to the tech room, which you can do any Sunday, not during the service so much, or even before church because we're getting things ready, but after church, make your way up there. Take a look at what we got. Um, and if you've never run a 32-channel digital soundboard, it might appear intimidating. I get that. That's why we don't just throw someone on the schedule and like, oh, yeah, you're on the schedule. Put you on there. Figure that out. Good luck with that. I'm going to be away. Uh, you have, but you have an interest in running sound. We'll take the time to thoroughly train you. Uh, if you're interested in learning to run Media Shout, which is everything that you see on the screen, um, we can teach you that too. In fact, uh, I've done a tutorial video and I meant to pull it up and I forgot to, but um, I'm gonna, I can ta- walk you through it real quick. Uh, it, I can, I'm going to teach you right now how to run Media Shout, okay? If you can find a space bar on a keyboard, it's the big one, the big long one at the bottom, space bar. And uh, so get your finger ready, index finger ready for a space bar. And you look up and you look at the stage and you listen for things and you hit space bar and repeat. So, and that's not to minimize what anybody's doing up there, so don't mess with me. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, it's as simple as that, but it's not that simple. You gotta, you gotta stay focused, right? So, but here's the deal. We could really use a couple more people on that schedule. Uh, so again, if you just want to come observe sometime and see how all this works, come join us for a Wednesday, uh, no, uh, worship team uh, rehearsal, which is on Thursday, uh, just about any Thursday night around 6.30ish, and we'll give you the tutorial, okay? And that's an open rehearsal. Anybody can come. Uh, then we added cameras to the mix when we launched Church Online exactly two years ago next Sunday. Remember that? Like every other church, like we had no idea what we were going to do. Um, but thanks to our history with, with uh, Life Church through 
the Bible app and through the Bible app for kids and all the Life Church re- resources we've used over the years, like in youth ministry, we quickly landed on the church online platform, and now it's just like another campus for our church. There are a dozen to 20 people uh, on church online every Sunday, and we have a team of people who take turns serving as hosts for church online. Some of them do that while they're sitting right in this room, and you have no idea. In fact, um, I think Michelle's hosting today, and I'm pretty sure she's hosting from Swan's Island, so uh, it can... It, it's pretty cool how this works. But we've committed to doing church online as long as there's critical mass, right? So that means we're committed to video recording our services. And up to last Sunday, uh, Ben had been doing all of that uh, every week. And he's out of town this weekend. And so we're finally training some help. So uh, thank you, Chuck, for jumping in there today. I appreciate it. There's an opportunity here if you have an interest in learning this technology. Again, we keep it really, really simple because we'd rather do it simply with some level of quality. So if we can get some people trained on cameras, we think we can start recording some of our music live, like with other people in the room, which I think people at Church Online would really appreciate. Um, So we need some more members of the media team. Sound, lights, multimedia cameras. Uh, Ben would be the guy to talk to normally. Uh, He's not here today, so you can talk to me if you want to, if you want to have that conversation today. And then I just want to kind of, this is just like the umbrella kind of thing. Aletheia serves as our volunteer coordinator. And so I don't expect you to remember the names of all the people who serve, who lead each team, okay? Or their names and faces or what you're even going to like. But if you're like, I want to serve and I'd like to serve in this area, but I can't remember who to talk to, talk to Aletheia. One more thing I want to talk about, and that's circles. This is what we call our small groups. I'm not going to say a lot about this today because we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, but you know you've been around here for any length of time, I'm a broken record on the importance of small groups. Like our dream for everyone who attends Sunday mornings and for everyone who calls faith community home is to be connected in a small group. But in order for small groups to function, we need hosts, like if they're meeting in a home. And we need group leaders to facilitate those gatherings. And if you are aren't currently in a group because you can't find a group that works for you. Maybe we don't offer groups on the day of the week that works for you or a time of day or in a location that works for you. Or maybe you haven't found a group of people that you like, I mean, that you fit in with. Let's, then let's start some new groups. Let's find some people. Find some people who are willing to start a group, who can lead a group, who can host a group, who gather some friends together, and let's launch some new groups. So if that interests you, you come talk with me. Uh, we'll see what we can come up with on that. Let me just say how grateful I am for the the hosts and the group leaders who make circles possible, who are making it possible for us to experience authentic community that goes a whole lot deeper than we could ever experience on Sunday mornings alone. Like right now we have seven groups. There are seven teams of people who are hosting and leading, making their small groups a priority. And seven isn't nearly enough for a church our size because some of them are maxed out. Like they simply don't have any room. There are no more seats left. So we're going to be talking about this in a few weeks' time. Uh, talk more about it and I hope you'll um, be open to the idea of hosting or leading or at least helping to gather some people to experience life in a small group. Let me just say this and I'll be done. In fact, I'm going to ask the band and the worship team to come to the stage while I wrap up. Imagine what would happen. Imagine what happened in our world if hundreds and thousands of people and even millions of people decided to devote just a few hours each week to generating a wave of good works that would put faith into action and spread goodwill and alleviate suffering. Imagine if every church was suddenly inundated with enthusiastic, skilled, loving volunteers who plan, serve, and pray to see a bit more of heaven happening on planet Earth. Just imagine. 
all that's needed is a ragtag group of spirited, towel-bearing servants who believe it can happen or are willing to take a first step. So, do something. Let's do something. Like now. Do something. I think perhaps maybe for some of us, the first step, first action step is to take this help wanted sheet, get our name and contact info on there, maybe indicate an area of service you'd like to help out in or learn more about, fold that up, stick it in the basket on the table as you leave today. That may be your action step for this morning. I'm pretty sure there's an area of service right in this church with your name written on it. So I just wonder, is it time for you to get up from the bleachers? Maybe you've got to crawl over a couple benches, suit up, and get out on the playing field. Like, I guarantee it's far more exhilarating and meaningful to be a participant than a spectator. Like, why watch others change the world when you can join them? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you see value in us, enough value that You've entrusted the church to regular people like us. You've entrusted the work of the kingdom to everyday people. So we're humbled by that and we're honored by that. We're grateful for the gifts, for the passions, for the life experiences, for the calling to serve you by serving one another in the church and in our community and beyond. God, I pray that you'd help each of us to maybe just settle our minds a little bit, quiet ourselves a little bit, and really be honest about where should I be focusing some of my best energies for the sake of the gospel right now, and what would that look like in the life of our church? Thank you for your faithfulness to us in our past, in our story as a church and as families and individuals, and we are confident of that same faithfulness in our future. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.